check out what we've been playing and watching, plus an extra special discussion of Link's Awakening in this episode of Cheerful Ghost Radio. Cheerful Ghost Radio is a podcast from the Cheerful Ghost community about interesting stuff in gaming and other various bits of nerdery. Hey everyone, I'm Travis and I'm joined by John Dodson. Tim has yet to awaken the windfish, so he's still stuck on Kaholan Island. It's been a while since we've gotten to talk about everything we've been playing and watching, so we're dedicating most of this entire show to that. So, John, what you've been playing and watching? Yeah, so quite a few things, and I'm really excited to talk about it. Uh, before Link's Awakening hit the remake on the Switch, I played The Legend of Zelda on Nintendo Online on the Switch, the original Legend of Zelda. I've wanted to replay this for a while. Nintendo Online, obviously, on the Switch. Zelda's on the Switch. So I played through it, and that was really fun, and... It's a great game. I was trying to think what more needs to be said about it. I think it's a fantastic game. I I really enjoy playing it. Um, There are some games that I'm always going to come back to and play. This is one of them. (laughs) There are quite a few Zelda games that I sort of put in the in my continuous play category. Not continuous, but, you know, come back to every so often. Um, I for me, it's timeless. It's like reading a it's like reading a book if a book were your best friend or something like that it just feels so familiar to me. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I I, I used uh, dungeon guides to go through it again. Uh, and playing it on the Switch is incredible. The the controls on the Switch are really good. The buttons, you know, are the are the best way to control it. You know, um, the D pad buttons on the Switch are great. And so and hooking it up to the TV was a lot of fun. It was really cool too this time um, because I was in Go mode. I had everything. I had the silver arrow. And I had the blue ring or sorry, the red ring in the last level. And I was able to kill Ganon and save Zelda. And my son was able to watch. And that was really fun. Um, I even like took the wrong turn and he had to watch me backtrack a little bit. (laughs) He was able to do that. My wife caught us watching it on video, which was really fun. So um, Nintendo on the Switch. uh, Sorry, Zelda on the Switch. It's really great. So I've also been playing Link's Awakening on the Switch. I wrote kind of a first thoughts review on the site. We did an episode about it, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it later in the episode, too. So I'm going to save that Uh, in terms of the other games I've been playing. So uh, and I'm going to write about this on Cheerful Ghost. I've just been so busy with getting ready for Portland Retro Game Expo, getting our booth ready, uh, updates to Tale of the White Wyvern, playing (laughs) Link's Awakening on the Switch that I haven't really written about this, but I am going to. So I am not a veteran of the Dragon Warrior, which were the NES games, and Dragon Quest, which they later changed the Dragon Warrior name to Dragon Quest later. So uh, I'm not a huge veteran of that series. I, I, I am so wish that around the time when you got Dragon Warrior for free on the NES, if you got Nintendo Power subscription, I wish I did that. I uh, didn't have enough money for that subscription, which, by the way, I still think is one of the best magazine promotions of all time, right? Buy a Nintendo Power subscription, get Dragon Warrior for free. What? It's incredible. So recently, Dragon Quest Eleven SI Definitive Edition came out on the Switch. So digitally and um, physically. Well, originally Dragon Quest Eleven came out on the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, 3DS, and PC. And reviewed really well. A lot of people say it's one of the best games in the franchise. Well... Um, recent, and they said they were going to come out on the switch, but it's taken quite a while, you know, almost a year. And now it's finally here. One of the things that sort of made it so it landed in my lap was that they released a demo, a switch demo. And that's really cool because not a lot of AAA games get demos, at least third party games. I mean, a lot of indie games do now, but you know, when you're playing a AAA game, you know, there's quite a lot of demos that are lacking. So when one comes out, I, you know, I, I tried it and, and this one's quite different. In fact, I don't think any other platform got a demo but the switch. And this is different in that it's 10 hours of game in the demo, which is a lot. That is a lot of gameplay. It's like that. It's like someone made a demo back in the 90s, right? Because that's about as much gameplay as we used to get. Back. That's in the insane. 90s that's like games. a 
um, like an MMO style demo <laughs> for it to be it for it to be 10 hours long. That's crazy. Absolutely. And if you buy the game, you can pick up your save where you left off. So you can play all 10 hours of the demo and then you buy the game physical or demo and you can continue playing it, which is a really awesome thing. Uh, all demos should do that. So. I've played a couple hours of Dragon Quest 11 SI and it's. Amazing, I haven't played an RPG. A, a Japanese RPG in a while that interested me, I think that I sort of got tired of the typical Final Fantasy style of RPGs and Dragon Quest 11 is beautiful on the switch. It looks fantastic. It plays fantastic. It looks great when you dock it. It looks really good handheld. And I think that that's the the best about this. Now, the demo only ha- there's two modes in this as well. So you've got the 3D mode, which makes it look like a modern uh, Dragon Quest game. It's credible. Looks beautiful. Even on the switch, it's fantastic. And then they have a 2D mode that makes it look like an old sort of Final Fantasy Dragon Warrior style game that you can play with pixel art. And both modes are, they work really well. There's only a couple times where the cutscenes will pop out in 3D. So, and this is all, that mode, the pixel mode is only available on the Switch or the 3DS if you got that version in J- Japan, which most people in the States didn't. So it's incredible. You, that's way more uh, modes than you actually get in the PC version. So a lot of people are hoping that they... Um, port that and um, apparently sort of their techno music that shipped with the PC and PS4 version um, they ripped that out and put in um, a classical score which is great and I guess the score was annoying for a lot of people but it was it's really good in this game and they include an entire Japanese audio track so it makes it sound like an anime and it's got subtitles too so if you want to play it in with Japanese audio voice acting audio you can and it'll subtitle the whole game which is a treat. I love when uh, games to do, do that. that. That's great. I know. And that's new in the Switch version. So the Switch version's got a lot going for it. So I am and I really am enjoying playing the demo. You know, I'm playing some other games right now, but I'm going to finish it up and I'm probably going to buy Dragon Quest XI on the Switch. First RPG I'm going to buy that's new in years. Uh, I, I seriously encourage you to download the demo. It's free. Why not? Right. If <laughs> you got a Switch, right? So uh, the last game I'm going to talk about is another Switch game. Clearly, I'm a big fan of the system, uh, and it's Diablo 3. So why am I playing Diablo 3 again, right? This game has been out for a while. I've got it on the PC. I've got Diablo 3 Collector's Edition. I've got the Reaper of Souls Collector's Edition. Uh, Why am I playing this game again? Well, because I actually haven't I never bought the Necromancer and I always wanted to play it, Uh, but I always told myself, you know, I just didn't really want to play it again on the PC. Didn't really want to kind of come back to playing it there. So I was like, well, I'll just see, you know, or I'll just kind of skip the Necromancer because I was kind of done with Diablo 3. But then I heard that they were going to release the, you know, the deluxe definitive edition on the Switch. And I was like, okay, that's how and it's going to come with the Necromancer and I'm going to play it that way. So I finally got it online. It was $30 physical, which is a great deal for the original game. Reaper of Souls. You get the Loot 2.0 update. You get um, the Necromancer added in there. And you get uh, a transmog set to make yourself look like Ganon, which is awesome. So that's cool. So how good is it? It's Diablo 3, right? It's the same as, you know, whatever. Um, It's the best way to play this game. I think playing it handheld on the Switch is how this game for me is should be played, right? Diablo 3, when when you're playing it, it's like, okay, I want to do an adventure run, right? You set down 20 minutes, play it on the couch. Done. It's 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 incredible that way. It, it just feels so good. You know, I don't have to go in my room. I don't have to boot up my PC. It's just on my switch. You put it on the TV. It looks better uh, and it's smooth. There's no like lag. It's just an incredible experience for me. The best way to play this game. I've played so much Diablo three on my switch um, and I'm going to keep playing a ton of it. It's so good. If you liked the console version 
uh, this is more accessible, right? It looks pretty much just like the PlayStation 3 or Xbox 360 games. Um, and I'm going to admit it's not doesn't look as good as the PC. I mean, they've cut this down to make it run really fast on the Switch, and it really does. They don't sacrifice any. Like, there's no lag or anything. It's fantastic. Um, but if you're looking for a super 4K experience, you're just not going to get that. Um, and it's fantastic. It's just such a great way to play it. If you're thinking about coming back to Diablo 3 and you've got a Switch, this is the way to play it. If you've got a Switch and you've never played a Diablo game or Diablo 3, this is a great way to play it. It's got all of the stuff, so much late game content. It's great. So one other thing I bought. So I've never purchased an Amiibo before. Travis, have do you have any? I bought um, I bought two for Mario Odyssey. I actually bought uh, for when I was playing through Breath of the Wild, uh, since those are just NFC chips that you can go on eBay and buy like cards that people have made that like I bought essentially every Zelda Amiibo that's ever been made in like a deck of cards instead of the Amiibos themselves. Oh my God, that is so rad. How How much are those? It was really cheap. It was like... Like, I think it came from China, so it was five bucks, but then the shipping was like 12 what? or something like that. I'm going to do that. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Okay, great. Because I don't need a bunch of little action figures. Yeah. I don't really care about that. Okay. Okay, but I got an amiibo. All right. I got the Diablo 3 Loot Goblin amiibo. Okay, guys. Oh, you want to talk about pay to win? <laughs> this is the biggest pay to win cheese ever. Can okay. you just call down a goblin every anytime you want with that? Okay, it's better than that. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, I am not even kidding you, Travis. You know when they added the ability that occasionally you would be able to go into the domain of the loot goblins? Um, yes, I can't remember the name of that place, but yeah, I love it's that like place. like Greed's Lair or whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, and you yeah. come out of it with like millions of dollars up and you get greens and that kind of stuff, right? Guaranteed legendaries, greens, etc., right? Right. Small rift run. You can get that every day by scanning your this loot goblin amiibo. It's nice. Su- it sixteen dollar pay to win cheat. No, tra- it's the. It's. I I think that like it it's it's better than if they charge me ninety nine cents for it. But if I stop at sixteen, then they've won, I suppose. But like it's. <laughs> It's just like that. It's like pay 99 cents to get a ton of loot right now. It's it's I guess that's what I'm playing the game for. So just speeding it up is not a big deal because it's not online or anything like that. But it just feels like pay to win cheese that I love. Absolutely. It's so (laughs) great. Now, Now I'd never have to pay it again and I can just scan this for the rest of my life and always run the same cheese loot thing. So if you get Diablo three. On Switch, you gotta get the the loot goblin. And and by the way, um, it's a GameStop exclusive, and GameStop is like closing down. And so I had to look around in my area to find one. You can still have them ship it to you, but if you want to get it, get it soon because it's gonna be gone when GameStop is gone. Wait, 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 hang on. You're wearing the lead there a little bit. GameStop, I heard that they were closing like a third of their stores or something, but like their entire thing is going down. Well, I mean, that's like step one, right? I mean, eventually, right? Oh, okay. So I'm just saying like at some point GameStop might be gone. It's an exclusive, etc. It's only like 16 bucks. I'm just saying right. if you're going to get Diablo 3 and you want to have a good time in the game, <laughs> why would you not get it? It's crazy, especially when you get it for 30 bucks. You buy this and it's like you spent 50 on the game. Anyways, that's what I've been playing. Uh, Travis, I'm going to kick things over to you for what you've been playing and then we can talk about what we've been watching. Okay, cool. Sounds good. So first off, um, I played, I haven't played as much Borderlands 3 as I would have liked. Um, it's, there's some really questionable choices they made with this game, like mostly, like almost entirely interface decisions as to, you know, as much as I disliked the Borderlands 2 interfaces, they were way better than this. Uh, I don't get why they made just basic inventory management so much harder in this game. But oh yeah, like yeah. for instance, what they do, um, like it's the way that things are sorted in your inventory isn't really straightforward, and they've got this like um, 
item score that they're trying to use as like how to sort them out. Uh, uh, that's determine not, which is better than yeah, the other thing. But that's not necessarily helpful sometimes. And it doesn't take everything to, into account, but yeah, and those yeah. Are the, the menus like everything is buttery smooth for me, but yeah, everything in the menus seems really laggy at the same time. It's like they're the oh. animations for the menus are slow, and you know they've they've been patching it. That might be something they address, but like the core gameplay, everything is really solid. Um, Travis, I have a question for you sure. about Borderlands Three. Go so, ahead. We were big Borderlands fans. We played mm-hmm. Borderlands yeah. on the PlayStation Three together. We played Borderlands 2 on the PC. We played a lot of Borderlands 2 on the PC. Oh, yeah, we did. Um, Borderlands 2 was Cheerful Ghost Game of the Year when it came out. Really happy Mm -hmm. that that was a thing. Um, I am not getting Borderlands 3 right now. Probably pick it up on PC later. I'm going to be a patient gamer on this one. You were really excited about Borderlands 3. I think you're a bigger fan of the franchise than me. My question for you is, like... Is Borderlands 3 that good? Because when it came out, I haven't heard crickets from you. I've just talked to you about it. You know what I mean? But like when you play Link's Awakening, you're talking to me about it. You know what I mean? When we were playing Tale of the White Wyvern, you're talking to me about it. Well, I guess we made it. So I suppose yeah. that that's also probably <laughs> why. But like other games you've talked to, we talked about Egg Inc. more than Borderlands 3. So I'm just curious, like at least in terms of liking it, I'm just wondering if like this is a tacit a mission like a tacit <laughs> sort of agreement that like borderlands 3 is merely fine and um, that's okay that it's fine or it's just yet another game that isn't like tickling you or something i don't know i don't mean to put words in your mouth no, i'm no, just no. wondering i think the games that you mentioned are all games that we were both playing yeah so yeah I, had you been playing borderlands 3 i would have been breaking more stuff up with you i i think okay 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 um but like I said, um, other games have been kind of edging it out for my attention. I will say yeah. that I don't dislike anything about Borderlands three. I think in fact, like overall, if I try to look at it from like an objective stance, I'd say Borderlands three might be better than Borderlands two. It's just that, um, Borderlands two kind of captured some lightning in a bottle that it's going to be really hard for any game to pick up. It's hard I don't think any Borderlands game could come out that didn't feel like it was so directly inspired and influenced by Borderlands 2 so that it doesn't just feel kind of derivative of it. Like Borderlands 1 to 2 was a huge jump, I thought, like in terms of difference between the two of them. And then Borderlands 2 kind of settled in on this is what Borderlands is. So, yeah, I'm not sure anything's going to capture that for me, but right. mechanically, everything in Borderlands three so far has been better. Um, the complaints that I had about the way some things played have been kind of improved in this one. They've added some new like sliding mechanics, the the big like air slam ability from the pre sequels included, which I loved. Uh, the only thing I can really say about Borderlands three that I straight up do not like is the story. Um Oh crap. What is his name? Uh, Anthony Birch. Anthony Birch is no longer at like doing any writing on this game. And then it shows as Anthony wrote most of the story for borderlands two. And it was hilarious. It was amazing. And handsome Jack was just a, a perfect villain for that game. And the villains in borderlands three are just kind of dull. I don't really care about them one way or the other. And, and you follow up Darth Vader, right? Right. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty I mean, good point. Handsome Jack's one of the best, villains in a video game of all time how do you follow that up right agreed agreed <laughs> but no no i mean I'm, I'm looking forward to playing more of it but like with things like Link's awakening coming out like i was dropping everything for Link's awakening i knew i was dropping everything for that game and i'm glad i did but yeah looking forward to getting back into borderlands 3 some more but um i was just kind of browsing youtube and I think this might have been before the memes for this game started up. I saw a video about this weird ass game about a goose running around this town and terrorizing shit. And I was like, all right, this is 15 bucks on the switch. I'm buying it right now. This looks insane. And it really is untitled goose game from house house. It is. If you got $15 on a switch, you must buy this game. <laughs> like seriously the plot is you're a goose and you're running around this little town just messing with everybody and you have like a list of tasks that you have to do um like people have been referencing it in the in 
chat in Tale of the White Wyvern, like, hey, you should put a goose in around here. But yeah, it's it's fantastic. Uh, it's being memed to death right now with people referencing it. But uh, don't let the memes annoy you to the point where you don't play it. Because like, if you want something where it's not like a violent game, which is kind of hard to come by these days, you should definitely check this one out. And it, it, it manages to be not violent, but also feel like you're causing more mayhem than you would in a Grand Theft Auto game. It's It's something really special. I've heard a lot about it. I'm definitely going to pick it up at some point. Oh, yeah. Um, And I've also been playing around with the Apple Arcade stuff. Like you can, with iOS 13 and the new tvOS update, you can um, get a free month of Apple Arcade and play any of the games that they have slated on Apple Arcade. And I really like this model. I have an Apple TV, and so... I kind of get the benefit from Apple Arcade that I also would get from the Switch, whereas, you know, I can start a game on my couch playing on Apple TV and then just like wherever I am in the world, pick it up on my phone and start playing exactly where I left off. And the benefit there is that I don't have to carry a Switch around, which, you know, I'm not I don't like travel on buses and stuff like that. I don't really have enough downtime where taking a Switch with me makes sense. So I played my Switch almost exclusively on the couch. But, um, this kind of, you know, if I'm stuck somewhere that I didn't expect, I can just pull out my phone and play a little bit. And the games that they've chosen are pretty good. They're, they're kind of a mixed bag. Um, the Sinar Wild Hearts is kind of like a coked up 80s video, <laughs> music video, but it's a video game. It's, um, kind of a like endless runner rhythm game in a way. And like the visuals are just straight out of the eighties and the soundtrack is something that I want to buy and listen to constantly. Um, that one's getting released on a few other platforms soon. So if you don't have anything in the Apple ecosystem, you can try it out there. Um, another game that really, really grabbed me was called what the golf. Uh, I'm not a big sports game guy, especially golf, but what the golf is very different um, I don't even know how to describe this game without you just see, actually seeing it. Go like, check out a video, but like, the general gist of it is, you know, you start off playing a simple round of golf. You're trying to get the ball to the hole. And then the next round, like the entire tee moves with, with you when you're shooting it. And then like just random shit, just you're shooting all kinds of random shit and the humor in it you wouldn't expect in a golf game, <laughs> but the humor is like on point. Um, the way they congratulate you at the end of the level is kind of based on whatever theme you, of what you're playing. And some of those are kind of surprising. Um, Katie was, my wife was sitting next to me reading or something. And when I started chuckling, she basically stopped what she was doing and watched me play this game for an hour just because it's kind of funny. I, not not exactly fun to watch in turn from a gameplay perspective, but really funny the way they lay things out. But you know, more more than the games themselves, this idea that Apple Arcade is a kind of curated set of games that will never have any microtransactions in them, that are just like straight up games that you play without any gimmicks or tricks, is such a great idea. And I'm if you've heard me talk about mobile games or read stuff I've uh, posted on Cheerful Ghost about mobile games, you know that I'm not a fan of the the market and the way it works with blocking you out from playing unless you pay or wait like five hours for your next turn. And there's none of that bullshit in this. It's just straight right. up, straight up like beautiful gameplay. I mean, it's not, I think it's not wait- all beautiful, but mostly. We think waiting games are okay because we've got one that we made, <laughs> but like having you like well, paying different. That's different. to play yeah. faster, that's BS. I totally agree with you. Yeah, like when you mess yeah. up in games, like right. the games that you can keep playing as long as you want until you mess up three times in a row and right. then you have to wait five right. hours. That's that's right. cheesy bullshit. Uh, three-year-old demon killed you. Pay $2 to <laughs> resurrect. <laughs> yeah, that would be BS. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, aside from Link's Awakening, which we've already reviewed to death, that's about all I've been playing.
Okay, now we're going to get into what we've been watching, and I'll start. So, uh, really quickly, I've been watching the Breaking Bad final season. So, I started watching that again, and the reason why is because El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie, is coming out this Friday. Yes. So, we got to figure out what's been what's happening next with Jesse Pinkman, because... What I was thinking they were going to do was fast forward a bit. They're not. It's apparently right after the events of Breaking Bad. So and I've been reading interviews with Vince and I'm like, and he's basically like there's going to be a lot of stuff in the in the movie for fans. We're not going to explain anything. You're going to have to have seen the show for this to you know make a lot of sense. My guess is it'll still make sense. But again, you'll probably to understand it richly, you're going to have to watch it. It's been a while since I finished Breaking Bad. So I watched the final season Wow, is it a great show? It's still shocking to me how dark it is. Um, it's so it's so dark. It's just they go to such a wow. The show is definitely about people that break bad. Wow. <laughs> it's just it just some moments in the show just hit me maybe harder than they did the first time. I just realized how stark it is. I guess I'm saying Breaking Bad's really good and everyone knows that, but it was really fun to watch that season again. I can't wait for El Camino this weekend. I agree. And I didn't know that it was going to be that like immediate. I'm kind of wondering if we should have tried to sneak in that last season again as well. Yeah. I mean, if you look at what Jesse Pinkman looks like, um, I was watching the trailers and then I, and I, and then I watched the season. I'm like, Oh yeah, he's, yeah, he was in the, you know, he was in the Nazi place, you know what I mean? And his face got messed up. And so, um, wow, it's so dark, but yeah, the whole final season was, Fantastic. Um, So it's Halloween, not just the pumpkin spice time, but it's also a time for horror movies. And so I've been rewatching some classics. Uh, The first movie I watched to start the season for Halloween films was 1968's Night of the Living Dead by George Romero. The cool thing about this film is you can watch it and I'm going to put it on Cheerful Ghost actually in the next couple days, but um, it's been lapsed in the public domain. Someone at the studio did not. Um, renew the contract <laughs> the, co- the copyright on this one so you can just download it it's not um it's not on copyright anymore so you could just it's just streaming on youtube um and it's a fantastic film it's crazy that this is late 60s era it's black and white but um the way they've scanned in the film negatives it looks so crisp it's so it's so good the acting is top-notch It's got a twist in the movie that I don't want to spoil about what's going on in the house. Um, It does the sort of like we're all in this house thing together before um, um, Evil Dead did it, um, which started that whole horror house trope. It started the zombies. Uh, The whole zombie thing was started in this movie. They don't even call them zombies, actually, in this film. Anyways, I can't say enough about it. It's really good. If you like zombie movies and you haven't seen Night of the Living Dead, and it makes sense why you haven't. It's a 60s movie. You should watch it. Um, It's it's got a lot of really cool things going for it in that it's got a, a the protagonist is a black man, which at the time in the late 60s was pretty, which pretty uncommon. Apparently, according to George Romero, he cast the role based on the best actor he had. He he didn't write the role. He 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 thought that it would be a white guy that would play it. So he just wrote a role. Uh, and then um, the, the the actor that played uh, the lead was just the best. And he cast him, which if you watch the film, you know, um, the way that the guy tell the way that the protagonist tells other people to shut up and I'm in charge and that kind of thing. It, it all makes sense for that era. But if but the person saying it in that era, it's weird because no one reacts to him based on his race, which is really interesting. But at least I don't think so. Um, But then you've got that Night of the Living Dead ending, which I don't want to spoil. Travis, have you seen this film? I have, but it's been like since I was in high school, so I don't remember it very well. And I don't want to spoil it, but it it is it does have some commentary, I would say, about race and and that kind of thing and a bunch of, you know, yokels with shotguns and stuff. But I but I think that the movie is superb and it's and it's gross. Uh, it's still kind of shocking. Um, you can definitely tell that, you know, they're making a zombie movie and they didn't really know what zombies were. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, it's not. It's definitely you can see the makeup um, because the they scanned in the film and it looks so good. But uh, Night of Living Dead, 1968. Fantastic, fantastic film. And finally, I, I, I watched a new movie. So recently on Netflix, a new movie came out called In the Shadow of the Moon. It's a movie about the premises. Um, Boyd Holbrook, who's the actor, I don't know what his character in the in the movie is. Just some just some white cop uh, is a cop, and um, one night uh, in 1986, uh, he's a new cop, and a woman, a black woman, is killing people, and she's uh, basically stabbing people in the neck, um, or putting holes in people's necks or whatever, and then they start bleeding to death, and then they die, and it's one night. And they're trying to catch her. And I'm not going to say much more about it, but I would say that this film is pretty good. It's a pretty good Netflix movie. It's disgusting. There's a lot of blood. It's not scary. I would say it's more of like a thriller mystery movie that's very stylish. Um, And then it kind of has something to say about um, where we're at in the United States and politics a little bit. It's not too heavy handed, but I really appreciated the message and I really thought that it was an interesting way to talk about it. And I don't really want to get into it because I would spoil the movie, but I would say that if you're interested in, uh, a movie that sort of takes this horror suspense and sort of, you know, has something to say, then I, I'd say, give it a shot. The Boyd Holbrook is, is really good in this movie. Um, the lead uh, actress they have that plays the the killer is she's fantastic. Uh, it's just a really good Netflix movie. Um, it's not great, but it's really good. And if you're looking for a fun Halloween um, thriller, check it out in the shadow of the moon. Travis. So uh, we finished up watching The Wire recently and we picked up on the expanse we're finally being good nerds and watching the expanse like we're supposed to (laughs) this this show has kind of been like all people who are like sci-fi fans could talk about for a long time and we just hadn't had the opportunity i guess to check it out uh and then we heard that it got canceled like well okay maybe it's a good thing we didn't watch it but now the season the first season on amazon prime is starting up soon because amazon picked it up so we decided we'd check it out and it is truly fantastic. Um, I was, we were, we were both really huge fans of Battlestar Galactica and this is really the first thing that feels like it might be able to scratch that itch. Um, Battlestar lasted, uh, I can't remember how long, not long enough, but, um, we're about, we're most of the way through season two right now of the expanse and just the way these the characters kind of build over time. Like the character development is amazing. There's some kind of plot intricacies that I wasn't expecting. It's all based on, on novels. I'm not sure how close to the novels they stick, but uh, yeah, whoever is responsible for like the world that we see on screen is really good at building that world. Uh, it feels like a really, a very lived in sci-fi world where a lot of times it feels kind of sterile and fake, but it just feels like you could walk right out into it. Um, but yeah, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Um, another Amazon prime series that we watched was the boys, which is a new Eric Kripke TV show. So good. Oh man. Like I, I loved it at the same time I was watching it thinking, you know, if superheroes were actually a real thing, this is depressingly how it would be. Like, yep, you don't want superheroes, guys. Yeah, you really yeah, don't. Seriously. Um, if you don't know what the boys is about, like superheroes are kind of jerks in this and controlled by a corporate entity trying to get them uh more and more into uh like kind of national defense roles and doing some pretty shitty things to get there. And like the, the main characters of the show are a group of people who have been kind of screwed over by superheroes over the years trying to get some revenge. Uh, but then there's the one, the one hero who joins up, who's actually good. And I have a feeling, you know, not to give too much away in plot, but I have a feeling that in season two, she's going to start helping out. That would be great. Um, also, um, the Superman Homelander, 
who's basically the Superman analog, yeah, yeah. is the scariest. No shit. Character. Like, I would say Homelander, depending on how season two goes, might be one of the most creative and I would put up there with the best villains of all time. He because he's frightening. Yeah, he really is. That scene where he's doing his laser vision on those terrorists. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just murdering. He's just it it, it I felt bad for the terrorists because he just mows them down without thinking. And he's and he doesn't care. Like he doesn't like he just he, enjoys it. He enjoys the murder. He enjoys killing people. And he, he actually does care. He likes murdering people in the most vicious yeah. ways possible. Yeah. And when he kills people in the show, he does it in the most gruesome way that's meant to punish you it's i don't know i'm thinking the last scene i don't want to spoil it the last show where he lasers someone and i'm just it was just so haunting i would say yeah yeah like mostly most of his scenes are haunting because there's just like something so deeply disturbing about this guy and like you find out more about why that is you kind of get some de- yeah. character, character development for him. Which oh is, yeah. You which understand really why he's a sadistic evil person, but holy shit, man. Yeah. Again, you couldn't, I is, would be one of the boys in this universe because you can't have, you can't have gods among us that are unchecked. You can't, yeah. you can't do it. They, they would end up murdering, which spoiler, that's the show. <sighs> I would be a supervillain. I would be. And that's what the boys are. They're super. They're not. They're villains. They're not supervillains. They're just normal people trying to say, hey, superheroes are bad. Yeah. <laughs> we can't have any more of this, which I love. They're technically the bad guys, but they're not. Right. I kind of love well, how it turned They out kind of are head. the bad guys. Maybe everyone in the show is a bad guy. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I cannot wait for season two of that. Um, Pretty much if I see Eric Kripke on something, I want to watch it. He did. He was a showrunner for the first five seasons of Supernatural. And those are the five best seasons and everything he's done since then. I've tried to check out. And yeah, this is probably my favorite thing he's done so far. We'll have to see where it goes from season one. But season one was amazing. Uh, We also went to uh, the theater recently and saw Ad Astra, the new space movie with Brad Pitt and... um, I'm glad that I read somewhere that the trailers for that movie are kind of misleading. It seems like any kind of really cerebral sci-fi, they always kind of cut the trailer to make it look like an action-packed sci-fi movie just to get people to come watch it. And this kind of plays into that. Like Arrival is one of my best, my, my favorite movies of all time. The trailers made it seem like there was a lot more action than was actually there. And it's the same thing with Ad Astra. Uh, another uh, another sci-fi film that really is more of a character study than anything else. And uh, people seem to like, seem to be finding it kind of boring. And I didn't. I thought it was pretty good. There's some stuff where, yeah, the the science doesn't really play out. But we're watching sci-fi and they could have shot that to be a little bit more accurate. But it wouldn't have changed the end result of the movie. So yeah, I, I loved the the journey that Brad Pitt's character went on in this movie. Um, it's kind of like a sci-fi film about unresolved daddy issues, <laughs> but it, it's really really well done. Um, you ready for my review of two thousand and one: A Space Odyssey? Sure. Uh, one out of ten. Way too slow. What's with all this classical music <laughs> for fifteen minutes? What's going on? So boring walked out what like i'm eating my popcorn more interesting than watching this movie 2001 a space odyssey one out of ten so i think ad uh, yeah i i can't sounds like ad astra is not for me then (laughs) okay maybe not well i don't know you liked arrival right no no i'm totally kidding i love 2001 just people are like oh it's slow it's uh, great (laughs) that sounds awesome not everything has to be a you know i'm not this isn't a slight but you know, quick pace, J.J. Abrams 
Star Trek, Star Wars. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, yeah, I think agreed. Um, I love the Star Trek, the original uh, motion picture and how slow it is. I think it's great. Um, and I'm glad we have all the fast paced stuff. But yeah, man, that sounds right in my alley then. Now, love, I will say it. that I did not care for the the motion picture, but in, oh, in general, dude. like the slow paced stuff doesn't bother me. That's not it's what so really weird. What's that? It's so weird. You don't like the part where Spock is like getting ready to go into that thing and he's outside the sphincter that opens and closes and then he shoots right through it. And then it's the worst. So it's not the worst, but it's this weird acid trip. And ah, it's so cool. I love it. Yeah, I like parts of it, but overall, it. I don't know. I think it could have used some editing, but I mean, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't bad. I just sure. I just thought that. uh there were much better ones. <laughs> sure. Well, it definitely picked up with Khan for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, we also watched, uh, we got the Blu-ray for Alita battle angel. And this was a film that we both loved when we watched it in the theater. And we're so looking forward to getting it on Blu-ray because we were hoping for some solid special features and watching that movie again was, I liked it more the second time than the first time. And they really treat special features the way I want special features to be treated. I think there was more time dedicated to special features than the movie itself. And some of like some of my favorite stuff was uh, some scenes where you see Rosa Salazar as herself acting out these scenes with the mocap suit on. And then you can use like the color buttons on your remote to switch between different levels of processing on it. So you go from the raw scene all the way up to fully processed Alita. And that was such a great uh, teardown of how these things are made. Um, mostly what I ended up doing was watching the raw scenes with Rosa Salazar's acting because it was, there's a little bit of a, an uncanny valley with Alita, but they kind of exaggerate her features to decrease that a bit. But, um, yeah, just seeing the same expressions on a real person and a CG person, like you see just how much of her came through in the performance. And that was kind of one of the standout special features on any Blu-ray I own at this point. But yeah, I need, I need more Blu-rays like that. Take note of this Marvel. Um, but speaking of Rosa Salazar, Oh, just got a note from yeah. Kevin Feige. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's real, it's really short. Yeah. Nice. It says no. Right. I mean, well, that's kind of what I expected, but yeah, speaking of Rosa Salazar, um, one more Amazon series called undone. And uh, there's something about Rosa Salazar, I guess, where she can only be in things where her, actual face can't appear because um, undone is a rotoscoped animated series starring Rosa Salazar. And um, I've heard it's a lot like through a scanner darkly. Is it's, that true? It's kind of like style wise. Yes. Um, what's the guy's name plays uh, Saul and better call Saul Odenkirk, Bob Odenkirk. So yeah, it's Rosa Salazar, Bob Odenkirk. And um, essentially, uh, she gets in a, in a car wreck and then kind of becomes untethered in reality and time and maybe a shaman. And it is such a freaking acid trip, but it is fantastic. Um, I think we kind of binged it in two sessions. Like, yeah, like we started it one evening and then picked it back up the next day and finished it all. It was, it was pretty great. And, you know, this is the, the way the story played out. There's only going to be one season of it, but I kind of wish we could see more of that just for the, just for the characters they develop. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen Fleabag, but it kind of had the same kind of characters. Like some of the characters felt like Fleabag in that, like the main character is a little bit of an unhinged quirky person with a sister who's way more put together or seems to be way more put together. I was getting a lot of flea bag vibes from it, but still, yeah, fantastic show. Um, my watching has been full of Amazon prime stuff. Uh, apparently I've been spending a lot of time there for a while, but yeah, definitely check that out. If you have Amazon prime. So we recently had a uh, review episode for 
The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening on the Switch. And I had finished it. I just mainlined that game and John had not quite finished it. But John, you finished it now. What are your thoughts now that you're completely done? So I previously said in our Link's Awakening episode that the boomerang wasn't required and Travis was like, uh, it is. And uh, that's because I wasn't at the point in the game where the boomerang was needed. And you're right. You need into a rock. Uh, it's absolutely required. Well, I don't know. Maybe you could kill those bat things with something else. But with the boomerang, it's so much easier to kill oh, them yeah. than you need to. Um, so that so, you know, uh, apologize to the world and the United States for that one. <laughs> um, the fun thing about Link's Awakening is about, mm, I'd say, just hanging around the the beginning village through my wife and son watched me play the game and then it became my wife was like okay so you can't play this game without us watching because we want to watch it with you and my son really enjoyed watching me and and that kind of thing and this hasn't happened since portal 2 when i had portal 2 on the ps3 and then before that uh, that by the way that was just before our kid our son because you know he's only three and portal 2 has came out a long time ago on the playstation 3 and then my wife wanted before it was portal 2 she wanted to watch me play that because she really enjoyed the story it was half-life 2 she wanted to watch the whole thing and i and and we're talking about on the playstation 3 half-life 2 and all the episodes including episode 3 which uh valve gave me a copy of uh in advance it's weird that they released episode (laughs) 3 on the playstation 3 and i got a copy of that Recently, anyways, they, they I, I'm not really supposed to talk about it, so I won't. But we did go through that together and she really enjoyed the story there. So this was really fun. It's like, wow, I'm playing through a game. The family's watching. This is really cool. Um, every time I played the game, <laughs> Finley was like, that's my son, was like, Dad, Dad, can you go save Bow Wow again? <laughs> I'm like, no, buddy, I already <laughs> saved Bow Wow. So... He loved that character. He loved Bow Wow. He loved that Bow Wow would eat stuff. He thought that was really cool. I just think it's kind of a bummer that you can't go back and unchain Bow Wow and take him around. If I could have done that, I, I would have done that for hours. I love that. Like, I, I exactly. wish that you could keep him around for a while. Right. And speaking of that, like, the game is like old school punishing in that if you miss stuff, you're screwed. So when you have Bow Wow and you don't have Bow Wow eat that, that plant, you can't get that one seashell. So... There's a there's a treasure chest there. I think it's a seashell treasure chest. I don't know because I forgot to get it with Bow Wow. So I got to play it again to unlock some stuff. And I and it might have been possible that I missed something that you need the rooster to get too. So that's kind of fun. So I'll have to. But I'm definitely going to replay this again. So Travis and I in our Link's Awakening review had like a morality question that we asked. So after beating the game. Again, some follow-ups to that. Okay, it seems that Link is, in fact, in the Windfish's dream. That's pretty obvious. The, the owl's pretty explicit when you beat the game that you're in the dream. So after I beat the game and it cut to the anime graphics, my wife immediately said, oh, so this is the real world and the game was the dream. And I was like, oh... I'd never thought about that. And it, it's really a cool art style choice because whenever I'd played the game, my son wanted to watch the intro anime, right? And then also, you know, Link, and then he wanted to watch Mar and save him uh, on the beach and all that kind of thing. And then we'd play the game. He wouldn't let me do it without watching the, the intro. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's actually a really cool art choice. And it's really subtle, which is the anime is Link in the real world. And then once he, once the lightning bolt hits him, the dream starts. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And then once the anime comes at the end, you know, clearly he's woken up and he's out of the dream again. So and the game is the toy style graphics and all that kind of or sorry, the game and the dream. So I thought that was kind of neat. Um, but I don't think that just because he was in a dream, it makes it less real. Again, if you recall back to our conversation, I said, hey. You know, is it morally right to wake up a windfish and kill 200 beings travis you've thought about this a little bit more have your thoughts changed on that discussion a little bit no not really i mean i think about it from from two different perspectives like the way that we that i mentioned before whereas you know if um if the windfish is asleep and being kept asleep yeah against its will then the windfish isn't responsible for like keeping people alive like that so i think it's it's a good thing to wake him up but also 
also just you know it might just be like a crazy realistic dream and like the people i dream about die every morning when i wake up too so (laughs) yes true but this one i would argue is maybe more real um right but yeah i mean it's for sure more real yeah Right. So it's not super clear to me how Link got into the Windfish's dream. And my wife was saying, well, the owl brought him in or you find out later as the Windfish's subconscious or whatnot. And that kind of makes some sense as, as a way to sort of understand that the, the nightmares controlled, you know, the Windfish and kept him in the dream, which I still argue aren't bad guys. And you really shouldn't wake the people up, even though I did it. And it's funny because in the last scene, you see Link on a raft with a mini barrel. So they're sort of hat tip that he's got food in there, I suppose, or it's a barrel of water. And the first thing my wife said was <laughs> so funny. She's like, so he's going to die. He's in the middle of the water on a on a on a piece of wood. He's she's he's like he he died. <laughs> There's no way he survives. And I'm like. You know, he's probably going to die, but that was the first thing she said. I know we mentioned it in our episode, but I'm more convinced now that he's dead. Well, which um, which chronology was this in? Like, where so, does it fit in? Do you know? So, yeah. So this is right after Link to the Past. Okay. Link is out adventuring on a boat and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know what's after that. The, the, I, well, the game that's after that is Link Between Worlds, but that is way far future generations and generations and generations where there's another right, link right. who's born and that kind of and the, and the link to the and you're in the link to the past realm that's you know changed a little bit but mostly the same thing and all that kind of thing yeah never try to make sense of the zelda chronology because it's bonkers <laughs> yeah but i think he's pretty much dead and i and if he's not then i i don't know i'd like to see i'd like to see i'd like someone to someone to well actually me and get in the comments so Cheerful Ghost Radio is brought to you by CheerfulGhost.com, and our theme music is by Creo. Make sure you head over to Cheerful Ghost to let us know what you think of the show, and thanks for listening. <laughs>